This podcast is brought to you by Two More Reps Coffee Beans. Get your two more reps with this natural pre-workout. Buy your bag at twomoreps.com.au. to another edition of the Paul's Body Engineering Podcast. Today, I've got another very special guest. Matt Stubbs is an Australian long drive professional. Now, what is long drive, you might say? Well, long drive is actually effectively what you probably think it is, driving a golf ball as far and as long as you possibly can. And it is becoming quite a popular sport, a very fast-growing sport. And Matt is on the precipice of the sport and is representing Australia in some world tour events coming up very, very shortly. He's kind enough to join us today and talk about the sport, but also um, the lengthy um, and detailed training that is involved, the fitness, the strength, the technique, the coordination, all the attributes that go into making him one of the longest drivers in the planet, on the planet. So without further ado, let's have a chat with Matt Stubbs. All right, Matt Stubbs, thank you very much for joining. How are you going today, mate? I'm great. Thanks for having me. No problem. So you're obviously currently in Sydney at the moment, just flown down, and um, you're about to hit an international flight in a few hours' time to, you just told me, to Florida for your next event of the year. Is that right? Correct, yeah. I'm based on the Gold Coast. I just fly down to Sydney, fly out of Sydney tonight. Yep. Head over to Florida for the second event on the World Long Drive Tour, the the start of a six-week stretch on the on the road, traveling across the world. Unreal. So how many in that six week stretch, how many events uh, will you be doing? So I got four events across six weeks, um, okay. alternating between the US and Europe, and then um, coming home for a little two week freshen up to push some more records and then um, back on the road again. That's unreal. That's unreal. So exciting. I, I came across you, um, you were doing an interview on SEN Radio with, uh, I think it was yeah. um, Brad Davis and... Um, yeah, and I was listening to it, I thought, I've never heard of this sport before. And, I, and then I, I dug you up on Instagram and started following along. And I thought, my God, this is this is so intriguing. Um, obviously, it's it's relatively, am I right in saying it's relatively new in terms of just its exposure and, and growth? Yeah, so, I mean, so Long Drive's been around for a while. It was it was building up really nicely um, and then and then COVID came in. Um, so before COVID, they, they did have some some big events, starting to get some household names, um, starting to achieve some big things for the sport, and yep. then COVID shut the whole thing down. Money came out, mm. uh, so it was really unfortunate timing for the sport. Um, but it's back on its legs now, and it it looks like it's going to return to its glory days, and then and then keep growing. So there's a lot of promising signs with um, GF Sports and Entertainment coming on board as the the lead investor. So they put a lot of money into the sport so they have a lot of faith that they're going to be able to get it into a position that's both financially viable for them and and the athletes so it's something really exciting and to look forward to and i think it's a great time that i've actually timed getting into this sport 100 percent, absolutely well that's that's um obviously a good segue so so what 
how did you get into it? Because obviously, you know, it's not on mainstream media or anything like that at this point yeah. in time. I'm assuming you've got a golfing background. So what what did what made the leap? Did you just come across it one day? Was it suggested to you? Uh, talk me through it. Yeah, so I've I've played golf since I was I was five. Um, I was pushing really hard to go the the college way, um, okay. but I was at a really academically focused school, um, and coming from a traditional household education came first. Um, so okay. I didn't quite have the time I needed to put into my golf to maintain and improve on that that level required to go to America and play college golf. Um, so I actually took about a five-year break from golf when I was 18 to 23 because um, at that time it's a really awkward transition in golf um, from the junior level. There wasn't much in between being a junior and being a pro. Right. So just a, a flat-out push to go pro at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just a little bit under that level required. Um, so I took that break and, and came back Um and in that time, I got to a, a plus one handicap, um, which I got to at about uh, 12 months ago now. And the goal then was was always to to start putting some more time into it and 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 have a crack. Um, and I was always naturally quick on the golf course. Right. So anyone that watched the Masters uh, on the weekend, I had a really short John Rahm style swing. Okay like relatively the same length, but I was still able to swing 126 miles per hour on course, um, which is well above tour average and would be one of the fastest on tour. Yep. Uh, so I had coaches and mates trying to push me towards long drive. They're like, if you just swing a little bit further, you'll you'll hit the ball pretty far. You'll get some good speed. Um, so I was kind of like egged into it by coaches and, and mates. And then I was fortunate to find an event uh, on the Gold Coast um, that I went and went and had a crack at in the amateur division and and won it by an absurd amount. Um, <laughs> yeah, I won it by over forty meters or, or oh wow, like that too against guys that have been doing these events for a while. Yep. Um, and at that point, the organizer of Long Drive Australia asked me if I wanted to represent Australia at the World Championships uh, as an amateur. Yep. Um, which was in eleven weeks' time. Um, <laughs> And for anyone that knows me, if if I'm going to do something, it's it's to win it and yep. it's putting everything I possibly can into achieving that goal. So from that point, uh, after my first amateur long drive, and it was a, a full time commitment to to long drive. Um, it was that next week that the the forty hours minimum a week training um, wow. began. And yep. it's been um yeah, it's been nine months and one week today. And yeah, I can proudly say I'm one of the fastest athletes in the world now. Yep. Um, yeah, lots more improvements to come. So the the sixty four million dollar question that everyone probably wants to know is how far can you actually hit the ball? What's 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 an average shot and what's your best shot? Um, so I count the PBs in comp where it where it actually matters. Sure. Um, and I mean I've done I've done two events. We um Australia doesn't have the resources to have outdoor grid events. Mm. Um, so I've done I've done one uh, one event as an amateur, which was Worlds, and then I had my pro debut um, three weeks ago in Vegas, um, which I updated my PB to four hundred and forty yards. <laughs> uh, yeah, four hundred and two meters, which was was actually one of the longest 
of the event. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, so pretty pretty happy with that one. That's incredible. So you mentioned um, forty hours of training a week. Can you can you break that down as to what's involved? Because obviously the the average punter would think, okay, you're just hitting a ball, but there's obviously a lot more to it than that. And I've seen the videos of you actually swinging. The the technical ability of the swing is completely different to what you would do on a normal golf course, right? Yeah, yeah. So I brought in a, a team uh, almost immediately to to assist me in this in this journey. Mm. Uh, it was it, it was something that I didn't have the the knowledge on. So when when you don't have that, you you bring in people who specialize in and you and you, and you trust the process. Um, so between my my trainer, my high performance coach, um, my long drive coach. We coordinate a program that's roughly between 40 and 50 hours a week wow. across gym, uh, long drive specific training. Yep. Um, me and my teammate, we have a lot of sessions within the week um, that are very unique to to golf and long drive. Yep. Um, but we directly attribute those to how rapidly we've progressed. Um, okay. The speeds we've been able to achieve in in a short amount of time has it unmatched in, in history. Yeah, um, wow. But yeah, so there's a lot of, lot of strength and conditioning with my um, coach, Hayden Edgerton. Um, he's, he's been fundamental in my development of my body. Uh, it's the strongest and most athletic my body's ever been. So for long drive, you need to be an explosive all yep. around athlete, yep. like it's a it's a full body movement. There's there's nothing that's that's getting missed, and he's just ensured that all of that all the muscle that I produce is actually contributing to the to the long drive swing. Um, like we did a lot of research on what was required, and we see golfers and long drive athletes training ineffectively, doing movements that don't directly benefit what they want to get out of it wow um, okay yeah so we we really feel like we've revolutionized how golfers and especially long drive athletes should train yep um and like one of the things that that we have released because it was on on the news story and they wanted to put it in we're like okay that's fine but the rest <laughs> of the long drive world was very surprised to find out we actually did two sprint training sessions a week yeah okay um, so in, in our opinion, look at hundred meter sprinters. They're some of the most explosive, powerful, yeah. impressive athletes in the world. Like mm-hmm. what they're able to do, uh, launching that, launching that bottom half of the body is, is ridiculous. Yep. And for anyone that's seen a long drive swing, there is a, a lot of bottom half explosiveness, um, driving internal hip rotations, exploding out of your lead foot to increase that rotational force. Yep. So the more more force and explosiveness, explosiveness you can get through the bottom half, the the more it's going to benefit you. And yeah, right. So sprint training directly contributes to that. Um, so on that kind of wavelength, we do have various other sessions that that work on other parts of the body and the the body as a whole that will release once we've gapped um, everyone in long drive. Um, <laughs> um, but then the a lot of people ask about the, the gym focus too. Um, 
one that people find surprising is we don't do any double leg bottom half exercises. It's all single leg focus. Really? Um, okay. That's interesting. If you look at a, a golf swing or especially a long drive swing, there's never a time in the swing that, that the force is equal through both legs yep. and moving at the same time. So why, why train it like that? Okay. Um, there's a, a lot of focus on all your your stabilizer muscles through the hips and the top of the legs. Yep. Um, a lot of rotational exercises. Um, another thing we've we've spoken about openly in in our opinion, you see a lot of golfers doing heavy cable exercises, mimicking a golf swing. Yes. Exactly their golf swing. Um, but from the research we've seen, the study we've seen anecdotally, you get really strong in that position, but we want to be fast and explosive. So we want to train that movement fast and explosively, not slow and strong. Yep. Um, so that's just another aspect where we've taken a different approach to, to most other um, athletes in regards to that. Wow. That's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And and collectively, it's around forty to fifty hours a week you're putting in across all those sort of disciplines within the yeah the training. Yeah, we're also doing a hour to two hours of recovery every day. Wow. Which people don't generally think of for for golfers. No. And and then on top of that, um, we don't include the hour and a half each way drive to see our coach in Brisbane four times a week. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Absolutely. Do you pull up sore after an event or after, you know, several hours of, of hitting the ball, like because of the nature of the swing? So the, I mean, so if you look at, I mean, if you look at my social media in particular, there's a lot of people that like to hate on long drive. And one <laughs> of the most common things they say is, oh, that must destroy your back. Your back right. must be in so much pain. And yeah. like, I wish I could just explain to everyone how our backs are completely fine. Like first, we've conditioned them to be able to handle these forces and we've also progressively loaded to the to the speeds we're at but then we also have certain aspects of our swing to reduce the stress on the back lower back like that's one of the reasons why we release that front foot because yep. if it stayed planted and you're rotating through there you can imagine the force because we're twisting one way to get speed and power if you're twisting yep. the other way with that lead leg stuck there it would put a tremendous load of uh, load on the back yes um, of course so releasing that front leg takes so much of the force away but also increasing your speed so it's a it's a win-win um but yeah just simply the strength and conditioning we've done um has been fundamental as the the basis for our speed but also our, but also our longevity um long drive athletes collectively will will get a lot of injuries through their careers because they training they training correctly so they'll they'll make gains in speed mm. and once they hit that new level the body just can't handle it and it'll find an injury uh it'll find an injury whereas we've been ahead of that the whole time yeah, and right. our speech has been catching up to what we've physically been able to do. Um, like I haven't, I've I've hit PBs every week for for nine months, 
<laughs> that's impressive. Yeah, right. That include that includes the last four sessions where I've been back for 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 three weeks um, mm-hmm. between my first and second event. So I was yeah, I was very close to becoming the the fastest to ever achieve it and the seventh person in history to achieve two hundred thirty miles per hour ball speed. Wow, that's yeah. that's very cool. Um, do you? Speaking of um, heading to an event, do you taper? Like, do you taper your training off as you get closer to give the body a breather, or do you do you try and peak at a certain time to to make sure that you're ready to to knock one, you know, and um, hit a PB on the event day? Is is there anything like yes. that involved? So we'll we'll change the focus of training to our like leading up to an event. Mm. I mean, it also varies a lot because I've been back in Australia for for three weeks leading into the second event. Yep. I'm going to be on the road for four events um, with two of them are back-to-back. Yep. Um, later in the year, I've got three three periods of time where I've got three weekends in a row of events, but that's between America, Europe, America, America Japan, America. Um, so the training really varies and, and fluctuates. Um, like this week, we've been focusing a lot more on on grid balls mm. but while, maintaining, while maintaining speed and just encouraging the shot shape we want to hit. Um, so yeah, the signs are, are very promising. Um, so when you when you reference grid balls, are you talking about hitting into the nets? Is that what you mean? No. So uh, grid balls when, when it comes to the comps, um, hitting into the sixty yard wide fairway. Um, okay. Is when we're there's another thing that people don't understand about long drivers when we're speed training, when we're trying to push our body to the the absolute absolute limits, we do not care where it goes. Right. You need to build your body. You need to reprogram your brain for it to accept that these speeds are safe. Mm. Uh, is that one of the biggest hindering factors for everyone else is their their brain thinking that it, it can't physically go this fast. Right, limiting beliefs. Yeah, which um, which we've I mean between Seb and I we've quite rapidly when we i mean even six seven months ago when i was two months into the sport swinging 140 miles per hour i already knew that the limit where kyle berkshire was was nowhere near the top of where this sport should be and people thought i was crazy (laughs) Um, but the the long drive professionals in australia when i when i first committed to training with my long drive coach craig parker I said that I wanted to be at 150 before Worlds as an amateur 11 weeks later. And they're like, Matt, you need to be realistic. It's probably going to take something more like more like 12 months to get to 140 miles per hour. Yeah. Um, it's one of the hardest things to achieve. I did that in three weeks. <laughs> yeah. and then That's impressive. Wow. I'd achieve my, achieve my goal. So, I mean, that's just an, an emphasis on how powerful the mind is absolutely um, especially in a sport where the brain is trying to protect its body mm. from what it thinks isn't safe but it's it's not actually true yeah wow that's cool um talk us through an event so w- what's the format like how many athletes are there um you know what what are the specific rules around like you mentioned before you, you obviously when you're in practice you, you 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 your aim is just to hit it as hard as you can without direction 
Yeah. Does an event require direction? Do you have to stay within a certain parameter of shot or anything like that? It does. It requires both power and finesse when it comes to competition time. Okay. The the structure of the neck of the next event I'm competing in at Florida, we got um the basically the top 64 athletes in the world. Mm-hmm. Um so round one, we broken into groups of 16. And within that group of 16, you'll round robin against every other athlete in that group. Yep. In groups of four. So okay. You'll, so you'll have five sets in that round robin structure. And then within within each of your round robin rounds against the other athletes, um, you'll complete a, a set. And a set is two and a half minutes. You get six balls. Your longest ball in the grid counts. Right. No balls in the grid is zero points. Yep. And then those yardages get weighed up against the people in your little round robin. So mm-hmm. 200 for first, 100 for second, 50 for third, 25 for fourth, or zero for whoever didn't put a ball in the grid. Yep. And then you take each of those round robin bracket points and they go onto the leaderboard and then you get ranked and the, the top eight will progress through to the, the round of 32 where the same structure happens again. Yep. Same structure for the top 16. And then when it's the top eight, it's um, man on man, one set. Right. Wow. Yeah. That's exciting. And is that over the course of a couple of days or you knock so, it over in one day? So it'll be, be over three days. Three days. Okay. Um, yeah. So hitting at that high level does still take a, a toll on your body as well as the adrenaline dump and stuff like that. Oh, so, massively. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's good to space it out over over three days. And, I can yeah, imagine. Is there anything specific in regards to nutrition that um, that you look at in, re- in leading into an event or just for generalized training? Um, so my supplementation um, has been really important. Um, mm-hmm. like Omega-3s, glucosamine, yeah. um, magnesium has been vital for um, central nervous system recovery. Yep. Central nervous system is it's a really hard thing to to understand the feeling of in your body, but once you do for long drive, it it's quite important because it it's the thing that drives how fast and how twitchy and how fast your body's going to be on mm-hmm. the day. Like there'll be sessions where you're like, oh, body feels great, muscles feel fine, yep. but you've done some hard sessions leading up to that, and your central nervous system is just depleted <laughs> doesn't matter how hard you try and swing it you're yep. slower than the two days before just because you you gave it a be- beating wow um yeah so a lot of supplementation to to assist the body in its recovery and growth um as much as possible um i have a very clean diet i'm mm-hmm. not i don't need to be strict on my calories, fortunately, um, strict diets really drive me crazy. <laughs> um, but fortunately, because of how much we're training, I can, I can basically eat a, a, as much as I want. You'd be burning um, a lot of calories, yeah. Yeah. So I, I generally keep it somewhere between 3,800 and 4,000 calories yep. uh, a day, relatively clean. Yep. Um, but I don't need to be strict with it, which which is good. Like with, Absolutely. With how much I'm training, the the last thing I want to do is is have to meal prep strictly. Um, yep. Because I mean, leading up to this, I I still 
I have my own business that I run too. So <clears throat> my my standard week is is pretty crazy. And yeah, I could imagine. Wow. Adding on the mental toll of having to be strict with a diet. I'd... <laughs> I reckon so. So how are you going to um, manage, uh, like, as you mentioned, you know, within three weeks, you're going to be between continents, basically. Yeah. Um, in terms of sleep, sleep's obviously going to be a, an integral part of recovery f- for you to get into the next event and be at peak performance. So yeah, will you be, yeah, in it's obviously different time zones and anything like that. Have, have you put any forethought into how you're going to manage your sleep patterns and stuff like that to ensure that it doesn't impact your um, your events? Yeah, so two days before I fly out internationally, I already start trying to flick over my body clock to the, to the next time zone. Yeah, wow, okay. So it's something I do actively um, focus on because um, I don't want to have to spend five days in one location um, doing nothing, just trying to s- switch the body clock over. Yep. Um, so I'll get to I'll get to Florida with with two and a half days of full prep um, to yeah get the body feeling good. Um, yeah, as soon as I land, I'll I'll get a gym session in. Yep. Um, and then get a remedial, um, big feed, refuel the body. And then just try to be as strict as you can with that with that first sleep. Yep. And then the hardest part's actually being strict with the the wake up. Mm. Um, re- regardless of how you feel, you you have to get the body clock there as soon as possible. And getting up, getting straight into the sunlight. Um, yeah, cold shower as soon as you wake up too, and yeah, just push as hard as you can mentally to get onto that new time zone as soon as you can. Unreal. It sounds like you've very much researched everything you need to do to be in peak performance for these um these events. So yeah. no uh, no stone left unturned. That's there has sure. been, there's been a lot of time and effort put in. Yeah, well, well, clearly you're committed. As you mentioned at the very start, once you're in, you're in. And um, yeah. you've obviously got a very big objective to uh, to win these things. So that's, that's really cool. So uh, you mentioned at the start how obviously COVID set the sport back, but yeah. you've seen a, a pretty substantial growth since the return. Where where do you see it headed? Like at the moment, obviously it's it's not mainstream as we mentioned, but will it get? Do you do you see it getting like mass media coverage in terms of like on ESPN or um you know on YouTube streaming or anything like that? Is that is that where the potential is? Yeah, hundred percent. So the the great thing about GS Sports Entertainment coming into the sport is the amount of money they put in. Um, mm-hmm. So cumulatively across the year. It's the most amount of prize money available for athletes to compete for. Um, so it is across uh, eleven events and then the world championship. So it's it's quite spread out. So it's not a big purse for each event, um, but cumulatively it, it's it's the most it's been in the sport, um, which is great. Um, the second the second half of the year they've managed to secure TV rights deals before the season even started. Oh, fantastic! Um, so that's that's great. Um, so that yeah, all the early signs are, are are very promising. Um, yeah, athletes are athletes are pushing hard in their training. Um, but yeah, a lot more needs to be done for it to become mainstream. But mm. it, it definitely has the potential. Like the amount of like I've I've already seen a massive change in the sport and people's opinions and awareness of it just from my push on media in Australia and, and my own social media, mm-hmm. uh, like across, across March between uh, all the media that did got almost 5 million impressions across Australia. 
uh, which is very sizable with a population of 25 million. Absolutely. Um, but I mean, that's just doing my part for to grow the sport as, mm. as much as as much as I can. Um, so when all the American athletes start doing that too, um, the sport can start taking some strides because it, it really just is an awareness thing. Like of when, course. when people actually come and like they see these these swings and us perform on on TV and social media and stuff like that, and it it's quite freaking impressive what we do. But mm. when we see it in person, they they can't believe what's what's happening. Like when you when you see someone swing a golf club 160 miles per hour, it like I even watch myself and I'm like, that is ridiculous. Like, <laughs> it was like the the normal golf fan will go to a PGA event to watch someone like Rory. Mm. They just want to watch him hit drives. And yeah. he's, he's swinging between 127 and 130 miles per hour at 185 miles per hour ball speed. Yep. Like we do drills at quarter effort at that. We're, <laughs> we're, we're well past that. But until yeah. they until they see that, that's when it, it really becomes a – a spectacle and that's what we need to just get more eyeballs on the sport absolutely 100 percent. yeah um you mentioned obviously um the the prize money and that can i can i ask what the sort of range is um you know from event to event and stuff yeah so um the prize pool across the 11 tour events is um 1.1 million usd okay um so first prize is roughly twelve thousand usd and then I believe the World Championships has a prize pool on its own of half a million USD. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah. Don't quote me on that last one. Sure. That, that, that's what I. That's what I believe it is. Okay. Um, yeah. So I mean, not the not the biggest numbers, um, but it's it's good. it's a starting point. Um, Absolutely. Well, as you said, you know, with the with the growth and potential yeah. growth that you see, you know, more sponsors, well, um, all more sports, money. all sports started somewhere and. I mean, like one really promising sign is for, for the sport is actually my most recent or Seven Eyes most recent sponsorship getting sponsored by Adidas. Mm. Um, yeah, we're the only Adidas sponsored athletes in Long Drive, um, and they've got some of the biggest names in golf sponsored. Um, so their interest in two up and coming Australian athletes shows the potential that these big companies are are watching and they're interested. Um, yeah. We just got to make sure we keep taking the right steps as a, as a sport to, to engage them and, and get some big, more big money coming in. That's exciting. You mentioned um, due to lack of facilities in Australia, you obviously can't completely practice the way you normally would. Is yeah. there potential for Australia to host an event or do we just not have the facilities or we'd have to physically build them to make it work? Um yeah, so we, we can make it we can make it work. There's hmm. I mean Australia's huge. There's yep. there's plenty of lands. There's heaps of alternate options available like um like polo clubs, gun ranges that can be converted into these. Okay. But that but that requires money. Hmm. Um and yeah, I already know that that World Long Drive is very interested in having events in Australia um, because of the rapid progression of both Seven Eye, yep. um, as well as there being a market here. 
Um, and yeah, we've we've spoken to corporates who are who are quite interested in seeing seven I compete in Australia because they think it's a bit of a piss take that we're competing on the world long drive tour and it's 11 events in the US. Uh, <laughs> that's a fair point. <laughs> just, I mean, that's your typical American. Of course it is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They just want to see the, the Aussie boys compete on home soil. Well, oh, absolutely. It'd be amazing. Yeah. hundred percent. You know, a world, a world tour should effectively take yeah. on the world, but yeah. <laughs> um, so oh, you mentioned the next events in Florida and then you're, in Europe, did you say? Whereabouts? Yeah, um, over to Germany. Oh, wow. Whereabouts uh, in Germany? Uh, an hour north of Frankfurt. Okay. So uh, th- these these existing events obviously have the facilities pre-made to, to host something like this? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So all of these have hosted events before. Okay. Uh, so the events in Europe are part of the European Long Drive Tour. Right. Um, a much smaller tour. Um, but Seven I before or well before the season started halfway through our pre-season committed that we wanted to do as many events as we possibly can this year um was people forget uh how long we've been in this sport when they see how quick we swing a club because mm. uh, the development that we've achieved in a, in a very short period of time is meant to happen over an extended period for your normal long drive athlete. And within that period, they're doing all these events, um, gaining experience and gaining speed at the same time. Yep. Whereas I basically gained all my speed before I even turned pro. Yeah, right. Um, so I've I've had I made yeah, I made my pro debut in, in Vegas. Um yeah, a, a few weeks ago. Um that was Seb's second pro event. Um mm. So we've committed this year. Like we obviously expect very high results from ourselves, but this yep. year is all about building experience on the grid. Yep. Because um, it is a comp- uh, another completely different factor you need to take into account and experience as an athlete. Um, like I, I very regularly do a lot of crazy things in life. Um, like, uh, on the side of I've become a jetpack world champion. I travel around <laughs> Australia doing doing jetpack shows in in blow up pools with half a meter of water. Oh wow! Adrenaline is something that I chase in life. It's yep. it's what I re- require to stay sane. <laughs> the amount of adrenaline I felt on the grid um, at my first event as an amateur was was mind blowing. Yeah, was wow. That I always thought that. I'd been out of control with with my experience in, in jetpacking. Mm. Uh, was yeah, some of the stuff I've done in that sport is is quite stupid and high adrenaline levels. And yeah, a, a, at a long drive event, standing on a grid, getting ready to hit golf balls was was a higher level of adrenaline. Wow! Um, and in Vegas, of all places, too. Yeah. yeah. So that that experience was was vital. Um, and it wasn't actually till my second set um, of of my pro debut where I hit the ball 440 yards, which was the longest ball of the event at, at the time. Yep. I was like, "Yeah, I I deserve to be here. Like, I, I feel I feel comfortable here. Um, going up against guys that I've I've watched compete in this sport for five ten years and and yep. putting putting it well past. And I was like, "Yeah, this is this is where I belong." 
was there was there um uh, a feeling of um what jealousy or just like the the experienced guys have been in the game for a long time going who the hell is this kid where did he come from was there some 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 feel of that or was it really com, com, you know a lot of camaraderie and, and support yeah so there was there was mixed treatment um at the first event um there was from most of the the top guys there was a lot of respect uh, immediately mm-hmm. uh, we we felt uh, immediately um accepted um i won't name anyone but there was no. there was one particular athlete that was that was um quite rude and oh wow and an abrasive um towards us but we were expecting expecting that um, yeah, okay and then it was actually quite humbling from uh, a lot of amateurs coming up to seven eyes saying how they've been following our journey how inspirational it is like they can't believe what they're achieving like what we're doing is what's driving them to to keep growing so there, there was i mean overall it was a really positive experience um like each night we were we were having dinners and, and and spending time with with past world champions and and guys we've we've looked up to in long drive before we even thought of competing in long drive. So it was yeah, wow. yeah, it was a really good experience. That's pretty cool. That's very cool. Do you um do you still get out in the golf course? Like do you go out and but do you then have to restrain yourself from overheating a path four or something? Yeah. So this this is another thing that people um don't they can't fathom really uh, um so before i got into long drive i was playing off a plus one handicap at yep. my home track of lakelands which is which is quite good um but in the time that i started training long drive i increased my drives on course by over 30 meters yeah, and right. in turn that improved my handicap from a plus one to a plus five yeah wow well. um yeah so it it took my golf to another level um, but I've taken a different approach to that as well that compared to um, the other long drive athletes is they'll generally have their golf swing that they play on course and then a faster version of their golf swing is their long drive swing. Mm. So when they try and transition that back to the course, you got all kinds of tempo issues and, and stuff like that. So when sure. you're trying to slow down your long drive, you, your exact same swing from long drive to hitting a wedge I mean, sometimes it just doesn't work. Um, whereas I have two completely different swings. I have my on-course swing, um, which is mentally I feel um, the focus just in in my lead leg and just needing to snap my lead leg um, going into contact for the ball to come out pure. Whereas for long drive, I'm getting 100% of my mass mm. onto my back leg and then three and a half times body weight forced into the front leg and exploding out. So I've, I've managed to separate them entirely. And there was, yeah, there was, there was days in the preseason where I was having rounds of seven, eight, nine under, and then going and swinging over 150 miles per hour at training. <laughs> on um, and I mean, I haven't done much research into how many guys have been able to do that. Mm. Um, but I I reckon you could count them on one hand how many guys ever have yeah. been able to to do that. That's impressive. Yeah, right. 
So do, do you get out in the course much? Like, is that sort of a, or, or is it too much? Is there such a thing as too much golf now, given that you're obviously professional in the long drive? Um, so in the preseason, I was still training three, four times a week. Because, mm. um, I mean, golf's just all, just been my stress relief. Okay. Um, I could get out and go have a round at, at 6 a.m. and fly around playing comp in, in three hours mm. on my track. Um, but as the as the speeds progressed, um, I made the decision in January with my long drive coach to actively drop back the amount of rounds um, of golf I was playing. Yep. Um, and people are like, oh, because your long drive was affecting your golf. I was like, no, nah, it's, it's the other way around. Like long yeah. drive is making my golf better, but my golf's actually slowing my long drive down. Ah, okay. Um, and I obviously wanting to progress as quick as I can because more timing. I mean, this is the sport I'm committed to now. Yep. Um, until I'm world number one. So I'll I'll do whatever it takes to achieve that goal. So I mean, I do miss playing all the golf that I was playing, um, mm-hmm. especially at the at the level I was at because I was pushing hard to try and shoot a fifty nine at my home track. Oh wow! Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, my my PB there was eleven birdies in a round. Um, so I was I was getting close to what what was required. So mm. yeah, that's had to take a back step and oh that's all right you got yeah. bigger bigger ambitions at the moment which is very exciting and very cool exactly. uh, yeah so how, how can um people watch the next event is it going to be streamed is it going to be on instagram you know what, what how, how do people follow you follow your journey to this first event in florida yeah so anyone that follows me on social media i'll be putting the links up um but the event will be live on the world long drive U- youtube channel okay for the first half of the season. Yep. And then it goes on to um, TV coverage. Um, so I still need to find out how, once it gets to TV, how Australians mm. can watch it. Uh, I know how all the Americans and Europeans can watch it live. Yep. Um, but I need to find out if and how Australians can. Um, but, yeah, for, for now, um, yeah, follow the, the links. I'll put it up in my socials or jump on the World Long Drive YouTube Unreal. So what's uh, what's your social, just for anyone who wants to now follow along and, and follow your journey? Um, yeah, so my two biggest ones are Instagram, it's matt.stubbs, um, mm-hmm. m-a-t-t.stubbs, and then um, TikTok's the other big one, um, mattstubbs underscore. Unreal, mate, unreal. Well, I'll, I'll round it off now, but thanks so much for your time, considering you're about to jet off and uh, yeah, and represent Australia. It's it's it's. Ever since I, I heard the interview, I thought, i got to – try and talk to this guy because this is just, it's just fascinating it really is from a you know from a biomechanical and, and fitness perspective but just because i'm a weekend hacker so i just love yeah. the sport as well so yeah. seeing the, the the growth that you've achieved in such a short space of time is just fascinating so well done mate and and all the best um in the uh, upcoming events and i'll i'll uh i'll finish on that last question that you uh you, <laughs> you were a little bit struggling on when, when i sent yeah. you the questions but Obviously, I ask everyone, who would you invite to dinner? So this is more personality-based, you know, and they can be alive or dead, fictional, non-fictional, uh, male, female. You can have a couple if you want. Um, it's yeah. completely up to you. Yeah. So, I mean, I've always been a golf sicko, so I'm going to 
take that approach and and trust that there's a, a four ball round before dinner. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like and, it. Uh, I'd um I'd have to go with um Tiger. He's of been course. my yeah. idol since ever since I can I can remember yep. um, obvious reasons. And then after seeing his relationship he has with JT, mm. um, I'd I'd love to experience that. And then um Cam Smith too, because oh yeah, he comes across as as an absolute legend um, for both himself and and golf in Australia. Um, yep. Just seems like a great character and bloke. So yeah, those three will get on the course. That'd um, be a pretty good, uh, a pretty good foursome. Yeah. You'd, you'd do a few cashies and see if you can outdrive them. <laughs> uh, that that's one thing I'd feel I'd feel comfortable having. Uh, <laughs> yeah, especially Tiger might even be able to get him with a three iron now. Oh, look out! <laughs> <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> oh, so good. Oh, well, thanks once again, Matt. I really appreciate right. your time, and um, thanks, yeah, we'll, we'll, I'll be watching with keen interest to see how you go, and uh, and best of luck with all the upcoming events. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate it. No problem at all. <laughs> Well, that was a fascinating chat with Matt, and um, I really look forward to watching how well he will do in the coming events, um, in the tour that he's about to embark on overseas over six weeks, and then obviously the World Championships at the end of the year. It's um, it's a fascinating sport. It's something that I'm sure will pick up a lot of momentum over the next 12 to 24 months, and I cannot wait to see how well Matt does. So if you'd like this, um, if you did like this particular podcast please screenshot and share it on your stories tag myself at paul's body engineering tag matt as well at matt Stubbs, and also tag world long drive because um matt's going out of his way to further promote the sport of long drive particularly in australia and get greater exposure so if we can help by uh, offering our support then let's do that so thank you once again for tuning in if you're interested in any of my coaching services please jump on paulsbodyengineering.com and have a look around but other than that As I say to every client every single day, have a great day.